Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by physicians in training, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. Coming up on today's episode, Radio Rounds' very own Dr. Lakshman Swami sits down with Dr. Harry Cho, Director of Quality and Patient Safety for the Division of Hospital Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York and Senior Fellow at the Lown Institute. Dr. Cho is a rising star in the world of quality improvement, largely because of his unique understanding of how to balance his clinical responsibilities with his equally important duty to improve his profession, an understanding based largely in the principle of the low-hanging fruit. In, in medicine, I think all of us uh, that are training, we went through over a decade of hard work. Anything that was worthwhile to attain in medicine, we had to work harder. Medical school, uh, internship, residency, fellowship, what have you. But the nice thing about QI is that you're trying to find an easy way to fix things. You're going for the lowest hanging fruit. You're going for the least amount of effort for the most amount of impact. Mm. And so if you think about this, you're trying to do this right. You're looking for efficiency. You're looking for this complex system. You're trying to make it easier for the provider so that it's a little bit more seamless, so that we obtain the better results with less work. And that's QI at its purest. More from our conversation with quality improvement guru, Dr. Harry Cho, right now on Radio Rounds. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everyone. I'm Dr. John Corker. We're excited to be back with you for another installment in our series exploring vital quality improvement topics gleaned from Dr. Lakshman Swami's experience at the Lown Institute, a Massachusetts nonprofit committed to researching new ways to improve resource utilization and efficiency for the betterment of patient care and physician satisfaction. They do this by exploring the critical but sometimes difficult questions facing our evolving profession. Can overuse really hurt patients and thus constitute medical error? How do we make quality metrics work for us and our patients? How do we simultaneously teach doctors to be more competent and efficient? In today's episode, Swami sits down with Dr. Harry Cho. Dr. Cho leads the Right Care Young Innovator Program at the Lount Institute, and his efforts in value improvement have garnered many awards, including the Top Hospitalist Honor from ACP Hospitalist Magazine, awarded to only 10 physicians in 2014. Dr. Swami began the interview by asking Dr. Cho to share what led him to pursue hospital medicine in the first place. Welcome to Radio Rounds, everyone. I'm Lakshman Swami, and I'm very excited to have on the show today Dr. Harry Cho, the actually the Director of Quality and Patient Safety for the Division of Hospital Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Uh, he's he wears many hats there. He's also the chair for the High Value Care Committee, which you know a lot of his work is is focused on decreasing overuse and at the same time optimizing the delivery of medical care at the hospital. Uh, he is a hospitalist, so he serves as an internal medicine physician um, with his work solely on the inpatient side. Um, he's, he's done a lot of other interesting things that we'll be talking about the show, including um, the Occam's Conference, a systems-based kind of M and M series, and he works with a number of uh, Outside organizations like the ABIM Foundation and the Lown Institute. So let's take a second and step back from all that. Uh, welcome 
Dr. Cho, welcome Harry to the show. Thank you for having me. We're, we're so excited to talk to you. You know, you're such a leader in the field of hospital medicine. I want to start with that itself. When you were in training as an internal medicine resident, what made you think hospital medicine is the field for me? Oh, wow. Uh, well, you know, believe it or not, I was actually trained, uh, my residency was in Yale uh, primary care. And uh, I uh, initially I wanted to go into primary care and do international work. And um, I chose hospital medicine because I just, I fell in love with it. I think um, a lot of the residents, as they're going through training, they go through the inpatient wars, they work in teams. Um, and working in teams is something that I've just, I, I love doing. Uh, I think it just builds momentum. I think it delivers the best care. And the acuity of the inpatient wards, uh, the 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 managing of uh, all this information and, and doing the best for your patients mm-hmm. and and playing the quarterback, basically, for your patient, I think is, is really important, and that's that's really why I fell in love with hospital medicine. Sure, sure. And, and I think it's, a, it's a, in some ways, a natural connection between your role as a hospitalist and your interest in inpatient quality and safety. Can you tell us how that developed? I think quality safety, fit, you're absolutely right. The quality safety fits right into hospital medicine. I think Bob Walker sort of named it from as soon as uh, this, this whole field was, was getting underway. You know, uh, going back, uh, you know, many years, I used to do uh, AmeriCorps with an organization called City Year in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And I used to work with uh, at-risk youth in middle schools. And, um, you know, this is, uh, this is inner city schools. The resources were low. And the dropout rates in these high schools were about 70%. Oh. And... I love the educational part. I love the tutoring. I love the mentoring with with uh, the middle schoolers, and I just love being on the front line and doing all that and trying to play in basketball, setting up programs for them. One thing I wanted to do a little bit more was uh, one thing I realized was that after all the hours that I put into these programs and staying after school and trying to really help them, I had a hard time grasping the actual measured impact. I think the bond was there. I think the mentorship was there, but to try and uh, see that sort of change um, it was a little hard to find. And so that's why I fell into, I got into sort of medicine and, and, and quality and safety. And the nice thing about medicine is that there's all these research studies, you know, with all these fancy medications and technology on trying to improve healthcare. Um, and things like, for example, aspirin, you know, for, for cardiac issues, for an MI, it decreases mortality by 20% if you just take it. And it's, it's a, it's great evidence, but it doesn't it really doesn't matter a whole lot if the person you're trying to treat isn't taking the aspirin. <laughs> and so quality and safety for me is taking that one-on-one, that sort of issue, um, something that we can do much better at as, as doctors and putting it into a big sort of systems-based uh, process. It's, a, it's, a, it's an improvement in a large scale. And that's what quality and safety is, and that's, that's why I love it. We're just trying to close that implementation gap from what is possible uh, and what is real and just trying to improve that. That's a really clear way of putting it. But let me ask you this. A lot of my sure. colleagues who are training in medicine now with me, they, you know, they see it as that's an administrative thing. I'm trying to focus on clinical medicine. How would you respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, I mean, I certainly don't think that. But <laughs> uh, Of course. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is a very common response. And, you know, i got to be honest, uh, as an administrator and a clinician, I feel the burden also. And it's a burden um, because I think a lot of the quality and safety that we do sometimes isn't thought of in a big picture. So it's always, uh, here's a metric, we got to fix it right now. And it's not thinking about the big picture. It's not thinking about the long game. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, I have the luxury of sort of, you know, my research is sort of focused in high value care. And, and the great thing about that is that, yeah, and even in quality and safety, I, I, the, the important thing here is, is the principle of, of the low hanging fruit. Um, and let me, let me just uh, sort of talk about this for a second. I mean, sure. we, in, in medicine, I think all of us uh, that are training, we went through over a decade of hard work. Anything that was worthwhile to attain in medicine, we had to work harder medical school, uh, internship, residency, fellowship, what have you. But the nice thing about QI is that you're trying to find an easy way to fix things. You're going for the lowest hanging fruit. You're going for the least amount of effort for the most amount of impact. Mm. And so if you think about this, you're trying to do this right. You're looking for efficiency. You're looking for this complex system. You're trying to make it easier for the provider so that it's a little bit more seamless so that we obtain the better results with less work. And that's QI at its purest. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is, is hard to do. And we don't, this is, you know, it's, it's kind of young in its field. And we haven't really found the best way to do everything. And that's why sometimes uh, when a lot of these, you know, quote, administrative things come in, it becomes harder. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges I've seen is that, there's this sort of spirit of QI and of improving mm-hmm. things. And as a frontline clinician, I think we, we see things that need to be improved all the time, right? We see the person who is getting discharged after an MI and for some reason aspirin fell off the list. Um, we see those problems. But, but then on the other hand, we see administration, if you want to call it, pushing these quality metrics on us, which we don't know if they're as as clearly validated. In a way, I might say, maybe I'm saying that the policy and the kind of rules that we work under, whether it's on a, you know, a federal, state, or even just the health system level, sometimes feels like it's racing ahead of the actual evidence. Yeah, Have you noticed that? Is that something you've, you've seen? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I could tell you one initiative. I mean, uh, the discharge before noon or the early discharges. I think mm-hmm. a lot of hospitals are, are undergoing this right now. Um, it's, it's a relatively new thing, uh, but I think we real, you know, and just to kind of give you a background, uh, you know, what we realized was that the ED is getting filled and it's, it's a traffic pattern. Most of the admissions and most of the patients start coming in at night. And in order to get them quick, you know, stabilized quickly and appropriately triaged upstairs to the inpatient units, people need to be discharged early in the morning so that the beds open up so that the admissions quickly go upstairs sure. for better care. It's it's a tough thing, you know. I, I think the the first papers have been just coming out um, with how to do this right. And you're right, a lot of these are kind of without scientific sort of. It's it's not in the literature yet, but we're just trying to make sense of this as we go. Mm-hmm. And and the question always, and I, we get this all the time too. The question is, are we doing this safely? Are we? Is this the best way to do things? And um, you know, there are ways to sort of make sure that this is done properly. For example, the, it's the concept of balance metrics. You know, for example, mm-hmm. if the metric that we're trying to improve is discharge before noon, and this, it, it, is, a, it is a worthwhile metric, just let me say that, because sure. the, the, the care down in the ED is, is not meant for routine care. It's, not for, it's just for stabilization and really trying to triage and, and bring the people upstairs. Definitely. So it needs to be done. Um, and I think the, pri- the providers get very frustrated because it's not for their patient in front of them. Mm-hmm. In order to do this properly, for, to increase, you know, as you're increasing the discharge before noon rate, you have to make sure that the other metrics, for example, the length of stay, mm-hmm. stays appropriate. 
because sometimes people try to gain the system or, you know, just to increase their so rates just of them to the next day. <laughs> exactly. And to make sure that we're not pushing people out um, before they're ready, mm -hmm. we want to make sure things like uh, the readmission rate is is stable. And it's possible. We just need to be, be sort of, we have to keep eyes on these things. And we need to do this step by step. And I think sometimes rushing things um, to uh, try to improve one metric um, can sometimes lead to harm. But, you know, there are ways to do it safely. I think it's, it's interesting because that's obviously, I'm sure, across the country, this is something that internal medicine residents are, are hearing every day is this, you know, discharge early, discharge early, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, your role is not just in the realm of looking at the quality and safety and being a hospitalist. You do a lot with the trainees as well, I understand. Yes, yes. Uh, education is, is something I love. And so I'm not going to stay away from that one. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And, and in, that, in that vein, kind of pulling all of this together, you tell, tell us about the Occam's Conference. So, I, well, when I started this high-value care committee and we got our teams together, um, we wanted to go for some quick wins. And uh, one of our, one of our uh, uh, sort of earliest wins in terms of our projects was something called Lose the Tube, which was decreasing catheter-associated UTIs and getting rid mm -hmm. of full, unnecessary Foley's. And we got the quick win there. Uh, we decreased the, the rate from uh, 2.8 down to 0.2 uh, catheter-associated wow. UTIs per 1,000 folio days. And so that was a near-never event here. And it was done very simply. And, and after a year, we saw the results. But one thing that we needed was we looked around, and, and I just didn't sense the culture being different. Hmm. You know, we changed one metric, but are we really changing the conversation? Are we really are we doing things overall in a different way? And so I needed something to do that, and um, that wasn't a metric-based. And so Occam's Conference was something that we we really sat down and thought about and thought that this was a great idea. So Occam's Conference, Occam's is, a, is an acronym. It's Overuse Clinical Case Morbidity and Mortality. Ah. And it is, it is an M&M, uh, and it's based on overuse. And uh, it's named after William of Occam, um, a 13th century logician, philosopher, and theologian. And we know him from med school as, uh, we know him, uh, best known for Occam's Razor, which is uh, principal parsimony, economy, and statistics used in problem solving. And so the famous line is, when you're hoofbeats, think horses and not zebras. Mm -hmm. So it's a very simplistic, lo logical way of thinking about things, and I think it applies really well for overuse. And so what we wanted to do was, the unique approach that we had was that you know, there's all this literature out there about the concept of medical errors. It came out from the IOM report in 1999 to error is human. That's when it put the whole patient safety movement forward, and they identify these types of errors and where it happens. And it never really specifically said that overuse is a medical error. It said inappropriate care on their treatment, but it never really said stated that. Mm -hmm. And... I think from a lot of uh, the early work that's been done in high-value care in terms of education, um, for example, Brandon Combs and Tanner Caverly on sure. Do No Harm Project, they, they've sort of linked these cases of overuse to patient harm. And that was important because it really hit it home for a lot of the docs, and that's what we needed. It wasn't a financial improvement for the hospital right. that, that people were looking for. It was like, hey, is it really harming our patients? And the answer is yes. It really is. I mean, we surveyed our, our, our residents, our house staff here, and over 90% of them agree that, you know, overuse causes uh, patient harm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 
you know, for, from our point of view, listen, if it's unnecessary and it causes patient harm, what else could it be? It's a medical error. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the way that we're approaching it. And so the, the conference uses that principle of case, using vignettes, case of overuse, leading to a patient harm, giving, uh, sort of talking with the patient about their financial history, about their home life, about their whole situation, things like how much money do you pay for meds per month, things that we don't ask on an inpatient uh, admission, and bring it out to the fold. And then we, we do an, a, a root cause analysis. And, um, you know, it's worked really well. Uh, you know, the, 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 we use a tool. Um, well, it, it's from a guy named Ishikawa. He was a... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So in the 1980s, he was the, uh, if I have this right, professor of engineering in University of Tokyo, and he also was the director of quality for the ships in uh, Kawasaki. And, uh, you know, him and his team used to go around and, and uh, you know, make sure that these, these ships are, are, are safe and top-notch. And every time they found a defect in, in the structure or function of these ships, him and his team would stop everything, kind of gather the players around and use these diagrams, these fishbone diagrams or the Ishikawa diagrams to really come up with the, with the root cause of the issue. And they use that to fix things, and it just it works so well. You know, they took it from that field to other manufacturing fields to service and, and, uh, and business, and, and it came around to healthcare. And this is why most hospitals right now have a RCA team to deal with their mm-hmm. medical errors, to really try and improve the outcome of, of, of adverse events. And so we, we thought, hey, this, this works fine. Why, why, why not try this on overuse? And so that's what we've been doing here, and it's, it's working out well. What you're describing is, I think even after a, a couple of years of, of being you know, just an internal medicine resident, it resonates so deeply to hear, you know, the, I think the things that drive us the most nuts, that make us the most upset, are when someone gets hurt from something that they didn't need, whether it was, you know, some totally elective procedure that just went awry or some, some procedure they shouldn't have had because they really didn't meet the criteria for it. Yeah, you know, we, we were just talking about this the other day uh, as we were sort of talking about the audience for Alkins Conference, which is mostly, uh, uh, you know, it has everyone um, from administrators of quality to, to the residents to um, medical students. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the residents in particular. And I'm like, you know, this, this is the best crowd for this. Uh, <laughs> you, you, have, you have people that are underpaid, overworked, who love their patients. Yeah. But when you're underpaid and you're overworked, you crave efficiency. Mm-hmm. And you really hate it when you have to do something that you feel is unnecessary, and especially when it harms their patient. Oh, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> anger builds up. People are like, why is this happening? Um, and it's the perfect audience for that. Yeah, yeah. Have you, uh, so have you, you know, you've developed this model. Have you seen it kind of, uh, do you see it going anywhere else, being uh, applied more broadly? Yeah, you know, we're <laughs> we're moving a little too rapidly. Um usually <laughs> usually you like to see uh sort of the finalized results in one place before and and see how it works and and really get it solidified before you move it to others, but um ABM Foundation was uh gracious enough to give us a grant um to implement it in other in another institution, uh Memorial Sloan Kettering. Okay. Um, and, and that's with uh, Deb Kornstein who's been uh, very involved with us and uh she has a unique position there to work with uh uh, physician assistance, which is a, an audience that we haven't really focused on too much yet in high-value care. And so she's going to try to do it over there, and, and she's about ready to, to get it started. Um, we're excited. I mean, Memorial Sloan Kettering is, is one of the top-notch um, cancer institutions in the world. And sure. you can imagine, uh, you know, as, you, as what you see in, in sort of 
the news and the literature about uh, the cost of cancer drugs and, and the efficacy. Oh boy, yeah. And so it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting place. And so I'm I'm kind of curious to know how this works. Harry, uh, Dr. Cho, thank you again so much for joining us on Radio Rounds. You know, it was great to hear about the breadth of experience that you've had in quality and safety in hospital medicine, really how you got there. And we're looking forward to hearing more, hearing more about the kind of implementation, the work you have with trainees, uh, and and how this is going to, how you see this moving forward in the next decade or so when those of us in training in medical school now really come into this. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Lakshman Swami's conversation with Dr. Harry Cho, Director of Quality and Patient Safety for the Division of Hospital Medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York and Senior Fellow at the Lowne Institute. For more information on the important quality improvement research being conducted at the Lowne Institute, as well as its many great initiatives, please visit lowninstitute.org. You can also download previous installments in this series, as well as podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds, or visit www.radiorounds.org. In addition, you can contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at radiorounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. Sponsored by the American Medical Association. Visit us at medplusadvantage.com. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone, and have a great week. For our entire staff here at Radio Rounds, I'm John Corker, and one day, I'll be your doctor. <laughs>